This is a Tomorrow Christian Today attempting to tackle Leviticus 13 in the NLT. But first and always we pray. Lord, there's a lot of meticulous verses here. They're all rules that are coming from you to Moses. It's something that we can benefit and learn from, I believe. It wouldn't be in your book if you didn't feel so. Moreover, more so more than ever, Lord, all your rules are about life, relationships, and health. And to sin against you is anti-life. It's wrongness, it's death, and it's not health. It's not mental, spiritual, emotional, or physical health. So help us to be pure and holy as we read your word and become purified and sanctified by you through your word. It shall not return to you void. Scrub us clean, Lord. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Serious skin diseases. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, if anyone has a swelling or a rash or discolored skin that might develop into a serious skin disease, that person should be brought to Aaron the priest or one of his sons. The priest will examine the affected area of the skin. If this affected area has turned white and the problem appears to be more than skin deep, it is a serious skin disease and the priest who examines it must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. But if the affected area of the skin is only a white discoloration, it does not appear to be skin deep. And if the hair on the spot has not turned white, the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. And then on the seventh day, the priest will make another examination, again the seventh day, to see if maybe the person has achieved rest. That means health, like rest with the body again. I'm assuming, like it's just funny that it's seven days. If he finds the affected area has not changed and the problem is not spread on the skin, the priest will quarantine the person for another seven days. And then on the seventh day, he makes another examination. I'm kind of cutting off some of the words in the NLT because there's a lot of verses here and I do want to get to everything. And I, obviously the priest had to do many things. He had to be a priest, he had to be a doctor. I mean, it's unbelievable how much work was put on these guys and to have that discernment and that intelligence and that's why I guess God gave them, God gave these people the ability to have such wisdom and such intelligence, which they are carrying to this day. The persons, on the seventh day, the, verse six, the priest will make another examination. If he finds the affected area has faded, does not spread, the person is pronounced uh, ceremonial clean. It's only a rash. The person's clothing must be washed and the person will be ceremonial clean. Ceremonially clean if the rash continues to spread. After the priest is examined and has been a pronounced clean, the infected area must return to be examined again. If the priest finds that the rash has spread, he must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean for it is indeed a skin disease. So uh, there's a lot of visual inspection. I guess the priest is checking out to see what it is. And obviously it's a way to really um, promote the, uh, the rules of health, the rules of um, hygiene, and to really nip any problems in the bud, you know, preventative. And it really is amazing. Like when I think about some of the rules that God had for them, and, you know, we have discounted um, some of them as being under the old covenant. Well, I was just thinking today, like, okay, fine, you know, we're under the new covenant, we're under Christ. You know, eating some of these uh, more um, unhealthier meats, say, uh, although the, all the meats are unhealthy today, all the different additives, the antibiotics, all the steroids in them, that are really kind of unnatural, all the organic tampering, you know, the genetic modification, the tampering, right? We're trying to make it better, but we create problems that we didn't even know about. Um, but, you know, w even though we are under the new covenant, 
right? Because it does say that in Colossians 2. It's not about uh, the diet or anything like that, right? That's not the focus. The focus is the inward, the heart. You know, loving God fulfills the law. But I was just going to say, our bodies are still under the old covenant. Like I have an old covenant body here. Like it's subject to sin. You know? Um, so, you know how it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that the... Um, the rules uh, are not made for the righteous, but the unrighteous, the people who have uh, problems and issues and things like that. Those are like the old covenant rules, right? The, the, the old covenant was like the, for the external, for the, the outward, you know, the outward appearance, the outward rituals and actions. But it was also for sin. It was law to control sin. And you know what? Even though uh, I eat healthy and everything, my body's still decaying. I'm definitely eating a low glycemic index, uh, more diet. I don't reach for the treats as I did before. I don't reach for the sugars as I did before. Um, I still eat fruits, but I find that when I eat the low glycemic index, so that means I'm not really eating a lot of, you know, white, white bread, white rice type of thing. Less carbs are being um, produced or they're produced um, more slowly. The absorption is slower. And you know what happens? I believe because of that, my insulin... Um, the insulin levels that I produce have been lessened. You know why? I know it's going to sound weird, but I, I have to go to the washroom, the, urine, the, the washroom less. I know that's not something you really want to hear on a podcast, but I think a lot of the times when I went for, there was more, number one, <laughs> I know you're not kids, um, but I was doing that like a lot. And I'm sure that one of the symptoms for that could have been, well, obviously my kidneys have decreased in function because of age, I'm 58 years old, but it's also because the blood sugar was higher. And so the blood sugar is now lower. I, I haven't tested myself, I don't have one of those kits, but I just have to go to the washroom less. And here's the funny thing, and you, you just have to take my word for it. Um, I know from science that when you have a lot of insulin in your body, insulin suppresses fat hormone sensitive lipase. So when your body's, okay, your body's now going after fat on your body and it's trying to chew it away so that it can do, um, what it will do is it will try to liberate um, the, the fat from your fat stores, from your adipose tissue. And I know that's something called beta oxidation. So if there's more fat metabolism going on in your body where you can actually metabolize the fat on your body, because right, if it's sitting on your body and you can't get to it, it's not disposable. But if you can get to it, it's more disposable. You're using it. Okay, so if you're burning more fats, you're not um, burning as much glucose uh, more through glycolysis. And I, I know this because I can feel this in my muscles. Like remember, when you go in the gym and you're working your muscles, there's two types of fibers in your muscles. There's type 2B muscle fibers, which are pale under a microscope. They only burn and hold glucose, right? Those are the ones that get big. Those are the ones you say, hey, I want to go to the beach. I want to be jacked. You know what I mean? I want to be buff. See, those, those are the fibers that are holding glucose in the form of glycogen. And then there's, there's type 1 muscle fibers that are, they, they activate very slowly, they burn fats. They don't get bigger. But if you're burning more fat metabolism, right? If you're supplying your muscles with more fats that it can use, like through beta oxidation, so that it can burn energy, and energy is ATP, right? Okay, so if you're burning more fats, you're burning less glucose. If you're burning less glucose in your muscles, the muscle is going to store glycogen better and that glycogen is going to bind to water. You know how I know this? I know this is going to sound stupid. My muscles just feel bulgier. 
I'm eating less glucose. I'm eating less high glycemic index glucose and my muscles feel bulgier. But when I go to the gym, I don't do every set hard. I just do like 15 to 20 reps like for two sets. And then the third one, I just do one or two heavy reps like powerlifting. And I'm actually feeling better and I've lost a little weight, or lost a little fat metabolism, lost a little fat. So what I'm trying to say is that uh, I don't know how I got on this track, but it's just that I just feel healthier. And I think if you feel healthier, then your mind will work better. You won't be a subject to unwellness and depression. And remember how Daniel in chapter one, Daniel one, after 10 days, him and, and the guys that ate the simple foods looked better than the guys who ate the rich foods. And I don't care if that's in the Old Testament, that's applicable to us today as Christians. Even secular people know about health. Okay, I've just told you something about how I feel in my muscles. You don't have to believe me. You can just think I'm just making it up. Some of the things I've said about hormone-sensitive lipase and beta-oxidation, glycolysis and, and, and storing uh, glycogen holds uh, water molecules like better because they're poor, I'm not making that up. Go and check that out if you think I'm making it up. I'm just trying to use what I know from science, the little bit that I know. I'm not a scientist. I'm a layman. And I'm just trying to... Um, I'm just trying to propose why I feel the way I do. Okay, verse 12. Now suppose the disease has spread all over the person's skin, covering the body from head to foot. When the priest examines the infected person and finds that the disease covers the entire body, he will pronounce the person's ceremonial clean. Since the, person has, since the skin has turned white, the person is clean. But if any open sores appear, the infected person will per be pronounced ceremonially unclean. Priest must make this pronouncement as soon as he sees an open sore, since open sores indicate the presence of a skin disease. However, if the open sores heal and turn white like the rest of the skin, the person must return to the priest for another examination. So the priest can say you're clean. Verse 18. If anyone has a boil on the skin that he started to heal, but then a white swelling or a reddish white spot develops in its place, that person must go to the priest to be examined. If the priest examines it and finds it to be more than skin deep and the hair in the affected area is turned white, the person priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. The boil has become a serious skin disease. So they're now going after boils, right? And this is really, like, these are very meticulous rules. This is very meticulous. Like, how would they have known this? Would Moses have heard of this in Egypt? Would they have book health books in the library that he had access to? Did God tap him and say, I want you to remember what you read? I mean, was Moses like a jack of all trades, a layman too? And God just sort of reminded him what he had already studied? Because he did probably have access to the best libraries in Egypt. I have no idea. But it got its way into the Bible. Did God just like, hey Moses, I want to tell you something through the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to re re retain this. And I want you to go and have this. I want you to write this down. I have no idea. I really don't. But this is, the book is divine inspiration. And they had these rules. And somebody at church told me that during the Black Plague and the Bubonic Plague, when all these fleas and all these things were attacking the rats, the Jewish people did not get as sick, so they were blamed for it. Because they knew the rules of hygiene, because they got it from the Old Covenant. I think as Christians, we may be under the New Covenant, our, our minds are under the New Covenant. Our bodies are still under the Old Covenant. We need to know. We need to be healthy. I, I find it really hard to really take a guy seriously telling me about, about scriptures, about doing things well when he's got a belly out to here. I mean, I'm not the most ripped person in the world. I don't have a six pack, but my belly's not sticking out. I'm sorry. 
But there's a lot of guys in the Christian church who are really tall guys and they're good looking guys. You're eating way too much protein and carbs together. Reduce the amount of protein. Protein turns into to, to, to fats because it, it turns into glucose, extra protein, and that's gluconeogenesis. Look that up. You need to fix that. Your mind needs to be sharp and you need to show an image of cleanliness and decency. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. It's like a pastor I saw, like, you know, he's at a church. The guy's tall, he's good looking, he's got a wife, and he's just letting himself go. Like, what, what is this? How are you going to tell people about Christ when, you're, when you look like you're totally out of shape and you shouldn't look like that? I'm sorry, that, you need to fix that. Some people are really in great shape and they're terrible, horrible people. Okay, maybe you need to fix that too. It's not my business. It doesn't matter if you're a, Christ, a pastor or not. You're a Christian, you're an ambassador, you're a watermark for Jesus. This, guys, time to man up. I don't tell girls what to do. We're Christians. This is the last days. And, and in our church, you know, I said something, I had to say something for the men's ministry. And I kind of mentioned that, you know, uh, during a prayer that when you see these things, um, look up, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. Everybody should be reading Matthew 24. Every, every Christian. I'm sorry. I, I, like I said, I want to be respectful. I'm not, I never really bought that rapture thing. It just sounds like an easy out and it sounds weak to me. And I know John Darby came up with that. And that's his opinion and John Darby's entitled to it. He's also dead. I'm not dead, neither are you. You don't have to, my, my opinion of the gospel is not the gospel. But the thing is, it sounds like an easy out. Oh, we're just going to get out of here before it gets worse. Says who? Scriptures doesn't say that to me. I have an opinion too. My opinion is just as valid as his, even if his IQ is smarter than me. I don't think we're getting out of here at all. We all go right to Revelation 1 verse 7. Look it up. Revelation 19.15. We're all going right to the end. There's no, out. There's no out. Jesus never got no out. He could have got an out. Jesus could have got raptured. And he said, no, no, no. I'm not gonna, the angels could come and rescue me if I want. I choose not to do that. If he didn't get an out, why are we getting one? We're Christians. Our boss is Jesus the Christ, who is sitting next to the Father. You know what? Jesus is the alpha male. We need to man up. We need to be tough and kind. We don't have to be mean, belligerent, and rude. I don't want to be rude if I apologize to anybody if, you, if I come across as rude or militant. But you know what? We need to be more intentional. We need to be focused. I got a feeling when I was saying that to the church, you know what I got a feeling is? People looked at me with big dishpan eyes like they'd never seen this before. Nobody came to me afterwards and said, man, I totally agree. Nobody was hooting and hollering and, and beating their chairs like a pep rally. People are more into their sports and their animals than they are about Jesus the Christ. He's coming closer, just like that flood came closer to people. And you know what they did? Nothing. And Noah, the preacher, and his wife, and, and his three sons, and his three daughters-in-law went into the ark. Eight people. If that story is true, and if it's at eight literal people. That's sad. Out of how many people were on the planet? One million? I have no idea. One billion? Eight out of one billion? Come on. Come on, folks. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. But as Mrs. Watson used to say, put both feet on the ground, sit your back straight up, and sing like you mean it. And that was a five foot zero lady who was as short, but she carried as much authority as she was short. When she said something and she had that flash in her eye, all of us punks in grade seven got upright in that seat. You didn't mess with this lady, man. She carried herself. 
Jesus Christ carried himself with nobility and dignity. And it's time we, the followers of Jesus, do the very same thing and stop being so sloppy. But if the area grows no larger and does not spread, it is merely the scar from the boil, and the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. If anyone has suffered a burn on the skin and that burned area changes color, comes either reddish white or shiny white, the priest must examine it. If he finds that the hair in the affected area has turned white and the problem appears to be more than skin deep, a skin disease has broken out in the burn. The, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. But if the priest finds no white hair or the affected area and the problem appears to be no more than skin deep and is faded, the person, priest must quarantine the infected person for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must examine the person again, and if the infected area has spread on the skin, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean for it is clearly a serious skin disease. But if the affected area has not changed or spread on the skin and is faded, it is simply a swelling from the burn. The priest will then pronounce the person ceremonially clean for it is only the scar from the burn. The Jewish people were supposed to be the chosen people. The chosen people, we're the chosen people now. We're, we're spiritual Israel. Is there was Israel and then there's the church. And, Israel, and Jewish people can be part of the church. We're God's people. We should be physically as good as we can make it, uh, uh, spiritually perfect, emotionally as good as we can make it, and Christ will help us. We've got to do our part. When people say you don't have to do anything, Christ did it for you. Yeah, he carved out the narrow path. You still got to walk in it. That's my opinion. I just hear too many namby-pamby stuff about how we have to do anything. Because everybody is sort of, uh, in, uh, what's the word when you kind of swallow something? That's why nobody does anything in the church. You can't depend on anybody. You ask people to do stuff, they don't, they don't show up. Don't take it seriously. It's a matter of life and death. Jesus Christ is the hill to die on. And he's that guy coming out of the sky. He's the human ambassador for God. It's time to get a little serious. I'm not going to tell you anymore. I'll let you read the rest from verse 38 to, to 59. There's a lot here. You can read it if you want. You think about it. Like I say, I don't tell people what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. My, my job is to push people and, and, and motivate them. I'm motivated. I'm pushed myself. Sometimes I feel down. I feel like I'm not working. But you know, what are you going to do? Give up? You're going to just lie down? And just let the whole world and let the devil roll all over you? I don't think so. This is an army. Okay, we lift up the blood-stained banner, which is Christ our Lord, and we march forward. We march into the future, and we march towards revelation. My friends, we are here. If you can't see all the... If, if the earth ain't boiling over, then it's flooding over. And there's earthquakes and people crying and they've lost everything. You ain't getting nothing from no Hollywood movies. All the movies are about some vision of a dystopian uh, society. God says, without me, you can do nothing. And without me, the end is death. That's a pretty serious thing to say. Because it's true. There's only one narrow path, and that's carved out by Jesus the Christ. And that path leads to God, and that path leads to life, and that path leads to eternal life, and that path leads there right now. How do you want to play? Because nobody can make you do anything. You see this chapter here? I just, a thought occurred to me before I let you go. Sometimes things happen in life you did not expect, you, don't, you do not deserve. Blank happens. You know what I mean? You fill in the word what the blank is. People betray you, people hurt you. And it seems that if you're a Christian, it happens worse. 
your family slanders you. They say all kinds of things about you and your religion when they think they're, they're the ones that are right and they're so arrogant and proud of themselves. A bunch of narcissists who have no clue about who Jesus is. They have no clue. And you just have to sort of sit there and just pray and just say, Lord, you know what? I pray for these people. You don't have to hang out with them, but you got to pray for them. Because that's what Jesus said. You go the, you, you walk the path less traveled. That's what I want to do. I thought being a Christian was going to be really easy. You know what? It ain't. But you got to be the best of the best of the best. You got to be the person that says, you know what? Whatever my hand finds to do, I do it to the best of my ability, even if I'm last. I tell people sometimes in the gym, I don't need to be first anymore. I don't need the attention. I need to go forward and I need to be the best that I can be. Jesus turned water into wine. Well, you know what? You got baptized and he's turning you into fine wine. You're getting seasoned, you're getting marinated, you're getting experienced and you're taking some blows. What's the point of going through all of this anguish, all of these tears just for a cold hole in the ground? I don't think so. When I prayed to have a Superman suit when I was three, I didn't know these things would happen to me. But you know what? This is what it means to be a Superman. Not the world Superman. The world Superman is a human being with power, God-like powers. Jesus said in Psalms 82, 6, he said, you thought you should be gods, which means you should be sinless and meek and humble like I am, like my, so that you can be like the Father. He didn't mean to be proud, arrogant, and narcissistic like a Roman god that has all this power, but they're fighting and killing each other in the Roman mythology, in the Greek mythology. All the gods of the world are like this. They have great powers, but they're very human. To be like a god is to be sinless like God, to be perfect, joy, love, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, fruitfulness, meekness, self-control. We've all failed that, including yours truly. One man never failed. You know who he is. That's why you're on this podcast. All of this is about Jesus the Christ. So things happened to these people in the desert. Some of them got diseases. They didn't ask for it. They didn't do anything wrong. Whatever happens, sometimes the devil hits you or God allows it. But you know what? Whatever you can do in preventative, do it. Try. Surrender it to Christ. It's hard. The world says, do as you will. That's kind of satanic. And then the, Satan also says, use the occult. Get to, get, to, get to power. Get to God. But go around God. Become like a God without God. Not going to happen. We need the Holy Spirit to be perfect. We'll never do it on our own. But whatever we can do, if we did do something, it's because God did it in us. Because we let him do that. That's my rant for tonight. God bless.